0: Welcome to the Kane Rinse Podcast, Volume 10, Issue 483, where we discuss Hypnospace Outlaw. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Issue 483 are John Salmon. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And our frequent returning friend, Sean Bell. Hello. Hypnospace Outlaw. It's going to be kind of a weird recording, I think. It's a little bit more kind of open ended, unstructured than a lot of other types of games. Um, It's very different in format uh, from other games that um, people may have played before. So let's see where this takes us. This was released in 2019 on PC, Mac, and Linux. It's kind of home platforms, and it was kind of obviously built for those types of platforms although it was ported over to nintendo switch playstation 4 and xbox one in 2020 august of 2020 this was uh, developed from an earlier game not really related in style necessarily but you can play remnants of that earlier game in here called hypnospace enforcer which was kind of adapted into the turbo tunnel like car racing not racing necessarily car combat game that you play at various points throughout Hypnospace outlaw um i i don't know there's not actually that much information about Hypnospace enforcer available on the internet there's a couple of kind of like playthrough videos and stuff like that but um yeah not a lot is available and i don't think the game is even available for download any longer um, but uh, that was developed back in 2016 and kind of established some of the I'd say colors and graphical conventions, uh, kind of the glitchiness and this, um, you know, late '90s, early 2000s types, type of uh, vaporwave-ish aesthetic. But, um, but yeah, it, it's it's very different from the game that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, this was developed by Tendershoot, which is the name that uh, one developer, uh, Jay Tholen, publishes under. Previously, he developed. Not only Hypnospace Enforcer, which we just talked about, but also the point-and-click adventure game published by Devolver Digital called Dropsy, which I think may have evolved out of a Newgrounds concept. I, I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but it it's a, uh, a very bizarre point-and-click adventure game where you play a kind of monsterish-looking clown who goes about a, a very kind of Salmon Max type of world, kind of solves problems for, kind of mundane problems for people, i guess it elevates it becomes less and less mundane uh quite significantly towards the end of the adventure but um basically it's just kind of a good-natured adventure game uh he likes to give people hugs and just make them feel better feel welcome there's kind of a theme of the the kind of inherent dignity and specialness of each person which i think carries through to this game as well so a few potentially linking themes but uh yeah, no direct links in as such, as far as lore or story goes, mm-hmm. uh, that I could find anyways.
1: There's this kind of aspect, though, because you mentioned that you thought Dropsy was somehow linked to Newgrounds. And I also like the name sounds very familiar. And I've had quite a long history of using Newgrounds. I was there mm-hmm. way back in like 1998, when it was quite new. And I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's elements of Hypnospace that have kind of been drawn from Newgrounds. The um mm-hmm. the developers mm. of Hypnospace remind me a lot of the guys who started Newgrounds. Um, because there's also two brothers working there, and one of them was kind of more of a the the kind of the artist and programmer guy, and the other one was a bit more of the sort of business and, and other side of it. So it makes a lot of sense to me. And there's a lot on here that is very Newgrounds-esque.
0: it's kind of set in a period that predates Newgrounds. I, I guess the game is set in 1999, 2000, the kind of Y2K crossover event. Stylistically, I think a lot of people point to it kind of times earlier than that, maybe 97 ish. But either way, it's it it feels like a. I mean, we'll get to what kind of game it is in just a little bit, but um, it it does feel you know late 90s in its in its aesthetic, which I think is a bit earlier than we would start seeing Newgrounds really kind of take over the uh, that corner of the internet.
2: It's definitely um,
0: pre, pre-Flash, pre isn't it? Maybe for like a mm-hmm. full takeover, but... Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of GIFs and and MIDI music and stuff like that. Uh, this was published by No More Robots, who at the time I believe had only published Descenders, or that was at least their most kind of prominent game. That is a downhill mountain biking game. So a very, very different uh, game for them to take on for one of their other kind of early projects. Um, since then, they've published... Not Tonight, a kind of anti-Brexit game, and uh, Yes, Your Grace. Um, This was designed by Jay Tholen and Mike Lash. Mike Lash was the uh, kind of head programmer as well. Programmed by Mike Lash, Corey Cochran. Jay Tholen did all or most of the art for this. And you can kind of see as you investigate Jay Tholen's work online, his personal website is stylized in, in the same way. Um, I'm not sure if that is because of Hypnospace and him trying to promote that as his most kind of recent relevant project or whether that is just his aesthetic in general. Um, but you can kind of get a sense that he, um, kind of lives and breathes this, this kind of late nineties garish pastel internet that, uh, that he created here, which is, which is really wonderful. It's, um, uh, we'll, we'll get onto the, the look and feel of it uh, quite a bit later on. Uh, so it was written by Jay Tholen and uh, Zalavir Nelson Jr. who also served as a narrative director. Uh, Zalavir is a very, I'd say increasingly prominent writer in the indie game space and uh, and quite a good Twitter follow as well. Yeah, I was uh, about to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, he's, a, he's a very funny guy. Um, he's a uh, also known for, he did the dog airport game which I'm not remembering the full title of it airport for uh, aliens run by dogs or something like that
2: yeah and I put Raylan's currently run by dogs that's right isn't it that's it yeah which literally came about because they needed placeholders for
0: some of the characters so they used pictures of dogs and then (laughs) realized it was funny so
2: they just sort of (laughs) stuck (laughs) with it yeah
0: and uh, is working on the uh, space warlord organ trading simulator yeah something to that extent yeah sounds really interesting he he likes a good title (laughs) he's good at the uh at titling the games, but he he pops up in game jam games and he's involved with so many projects and and comics and stuff like that that like I just I don't know how he has the time and mental space and energy yeah. to do all of these projects seemingly concurrently all at once. But um, here we are, <laughs> a very impressive writer, and um, I think lends quite a bit of his own kind of style and personality to this game as well, and uh, the music. Which was also kind of a I don't know if I I don't know if high point is necessary, because I think a lot <laughs> of it is written to be not like traditionally good but I think there there's so much of it that it's it's notable at least whether or not you gel with the aesthetic. <laughs> uh, but the music was primarily written by Jay Tholen, who did a lot of the kind of original like soundtracky type of stuff and a few of the the in-game band songs. Uh, but also for a lot of the songs that are performed by in-universe bands, which kind of play automatically on people's pages, like you would get in uh, GeoCities pages, or even like MySpace pages back in the day. Uh, those were, those were done by uh, kind of guest contributors, um, artists that are, I'd say internet notable, uh, like Hot Dad and, and a few others that kind of lend their talent to, um, to this game as well. Um any, any of these guest composers or guest uh, bands that um you have any history with before the game
2: well i because i was really surprised um so when the credits were rolling i noticed uh chris Schlaab's name was in the credits and he's a really wonderful composer he's uh, done soundtracks for a few games. In fact, he did the soundtrack. I've not played it, but he did the soundtrack for Dropsy, I believe. But mm-hmm. I have no idea what he did in this. I just I saw his name. I was like, oh wow, Chris Love was in this, and and it's possible I heard it and didn't realize, or maybe just you know missed it entirely, such as the nature of the game. So it was, it was cool seeing his name in the credits, but I don't actually know what he did for this. <laughs>
1: exactly the same. I saw um, El Huevo in the in the credits, and I know him <laughs> from I think the Hotline Miami games, and I think he's. One of the the folk who was kind enough to give us an interview on Sound of Play a long time ago. Oh, cool. But I don't know what music he worked on, what artist he was um, pretending to be in there.
0: <laughs> a lot of good stuff in there. And we'll talk about the music probably quite a bit later because there's, there's a lot to go through there. <laughs> um, this game reviewed, I, I'd say the review trends are interesting on metacritic it has an 83 from critics and a 6.6 from users which is uh i'd say like a notable departure from one another i think the game has the potential to be quite polarizing um in that it's so unconventional and it's so it's very targeted
1: isn't it like the audience
0: it it makes such a swing for the fence with its own style yeah yeah i think it requires quite a bit of pre-knowledge going into it
2: yeah like i wouldn't say it sort of rests on the the nostalgia of it but i think if you didn't li- you know if you didn't see the internet if you didn't live through the internet when it looked like this you would load this game mm-hmm. up and just be like why the hell have they made it look like I, why on earth would they do this i don't understand yeah. <laughs> like it just i think it sort of needs that context so as you say i think if you're a certain age it's not necessarily going to click i think some of the puzzles are quite difficult as well like i I, you know i'll hold my hands up i choose to walk through for a couple of bits so yeah i can see this throwing people off quite easily especially you know as we're saying like with like the xbox version there'll be so many people who just check this out on game pass and within Mm. 10 minutes will have just nah
0: (laughs) which is a shame but i can see why the game itself we've kind of talked around it but it is a uh, basically an archive of of websites that are built, uh, fake websites, kind of built in a GeoCities, Angel Fire, early internet, early early internet kind of way, um, that you are tasked with uh, kind of moderating and enforcing. The conceit being that this is kind of an alternate history in which, in which users wear these headsets while they sleep and they can browse this alternate internet. And uh, comment with each other while they're asleep; um, hence the hypnospace in the title. But uh, basically, you're you're assigned tasks along the way to go and track down, um, you know, copyrighted material or stuff like that, or dangerous and harmful material, or you know, viruses or extra um, extra legal commerce stuff like that, and report it that content will be taken down you can choose to take kind of further punitive measures against the against the people who posted them or you could choose to kind of you know not do that you have some choice as far as like which items you do and don't report and that does kind of affect the storyline as it as time hmm. progresses but it's basically just this kind of like within a browser experience of um going through and kind of browsing uh, clicking links to various spots within this um, this web interface, You know, learning keywords to search for. Yeah, I, I wanted to kind of highlight a few uh, potential, I don't know if I want to say influences, because a few of these were kind of developed concurrently with the game, but a, a few kind of like genre touch points that might make this kind of abstract game a little bit easier to digest perhaps. But I think it has elements of point-and-click adventure, um, Not in the traditional way where you're moving a character around a world, uh, but it does kind of have the puzzle structure of a broken sword or secret of Monkey Island or thimbleweed Park were all games that kind of like evoked a similarity of spirit and design. Um it has elements of detective mystery games. Uh, this reminded me a lot of the return of the Oberdin. A little bit of a disco Elysium has some of the kind of problem solving and piecing together of, um, of evidence over time of Heaven's Vault as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a... And I don't know if this genre has a name, but I call it a digital interface puzzle. So I'm thinking stuff like Orwell, Her Story, A Normal Lost Phone, Emily is Away, Pony Island, Hacker Evolution, Digital Love Story, Uplink, Hacknet, uh, Do Not Feed the Monkeys. Uh, I think it's kind of unavoidable. We're, we're going to be pulling links back, especially to her story throughout the yeah. uh, experience. But yeah. um, all of these experiences, I think are uh, run in parallel. I think Emily is a way does a great job of kind of representing old internet as well. Mm-hmm. And um, those, those artists must be, you know, kind of in conversation with each other as you know just through their work as these games are being developed and then finally it has elements of the kind of traditional visual novel or light novel interactive fiction um so if you think about like Ace Attorney or Danganronpa Steins Gate clanad Zero Escape those types of games you know it, it it does it's very narrative heavy it's very kind of text focused it almost almost plays like a text adventure but not not quite but uh, you know it has that kind of lineage to it Um, Any other kind of touch points that you feel would be useful for um, kind of contextualizing this game?
1: When you you mentioned digital interface puzzles and list off a load of them, I would kind of think of them as being like simulation style games as well. Like a normal Mm -hmm. lost phone is like a, you found a phone simulator, look through this phone and piece together a story. Emily is Away is like a MSN messenger conversation simulator. And this is, it's real heart, It is basically a, a, operating system pc simulator like down to the point of you can do virtually everything that you could think of that you would be able to do with a pc you can play around with the settings and the backgrounds and the themes and the the music player and all this sort of stuff like it's it's more than just the actual hypnospace web pages there's the entire kind of operating system built into this
0: it's not really uh, i mean that's a that's a good point i would say it's not really kind of built to create Spontaneous moments of kind of systemic interplay, but it you know it it is all kind of scripted and uh, it is all kind of curated. Um, So you know more of the kind of Disneyland dark ride of a kind of curated experience than the kind of wild unexplored safari of a Grand Theft Auto where all the systems are kind of playing off of each other and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. It, It does try to kind of match the experience and simulate you know what it's like to actually interface with these uh with these operating systems
1: as you say like the big thing that's missing from here is the like the system coming back to you i would have i would really like some Mm. sort of extra content for this where like chit chat which is their little messenger system in the game Mm. where that is actually built in you can actually talk to Mm. people because there's there's points in it where it's referenced the idea of i think there's a point where one of the hacker guys is talking about how to get a, a password for f list and the comments are all like oh it's easy just anybody will give you the f list password just go and ask them it's like oh, i can't ask them they have to have <laughs> said it and written it down somewhere previously if you could open up chitchat and actually talk to like the reckoning guy and, and get him <laughs> to, to give you his password that'd be great but it's just not it's not quite that in depth in the game or if you could make your own page i know that there are either like extra content or there are mods where users have created their own pages and i think they've been added into the game i think part of the the extra release when it came out on consoles last year was adding in some pages that um users had created
0: yeah both the web page and audio editor tools are bundled in with the pc version of this if you kind of poke around the uh, like install directory I don't know if that works with the Game Pass version because the Game Pass version installs as a Windows 10 app, which doesn't have like that accessible Mm -hmm. file structure that the Steam version would. So I'm not sure if that function is available to the Game Pass version, but it is kind of another interesting, and it's not made as a, like, it wasn't made with the intention of being a user-friendly, like UI experience. It was just the tools that they use to like produce what is in the game but the tools that they developed are you know friendly enough to develop with on their side and so from what i've heard it's not too much of a you know struggle to uh, to figure it out and put it together let's go through our personal histories with this game uh john when did you first discover this what was it that stood out about it um to you
1: so i think i heard about this pretty much immediately when it was released i remember seeing a bunch of um a bunch of online content, um videos and stuff. where I know Giant Bomb did like quick look video for it. Sean, did you stream this when it was new?
2: I did. So I think I saw that. Okay. <laughs> you sound kind of embarrassed. About well, well, there was a yeah. whole like half hour bit where I was just really stuck on a puzzle, and then later found out uh, found out that Jay Thorland was watching and he's <laughs> and he'd like sent me a couple of tweets like, "Oh, I'm really sorry, you got stuck," and I was like, "No, it's not you, it's me. It's the and I hate that." Right, like so, it's really nice when devs reach out but also mortifying when you are bad at their game yeah so yeah it was it was it was, it was re- like a really fun experience for a bit and then that really uh, threw me off
1: yeah so I think I think I saw a few things like that I saw a few streams of like the first couple of cases mm-hmm. and immediately thought oh this is this game looks like it's laser focused at my uh, <laughs> interests uh, in both kind of weird game design like interesting narrative stuff time in computer history internet history that I was very much a part of, and very much on par with at, at least a, h- a handful of characters in this. Um, so I picked it up pretty quickly. I I did play the Steam version probably within a couple of months after it came out, and I remember I had a really good time playing it. I enjoyed it a lot, but I got to a point towards the end where some of the puzzles were getting a little bit obtuse, and I, I remember looking a few things up and that kind of ruins the discovery aspect of it when you you sort of do like some quick searches. I'm just desperate to get into this page. I need the mm-hmm. password for it. You find the password and then that skirts around like four more interesting steps that you would have had to take to get there, which also include quite a lot of story and world building and stuff. So I, I, I enjoyed playing a huge amount, but I kind of, I'd always felt that I'd missed something about it. And then maybe a year or so later maybe in like early 2020 um Gary and Cole over on um Watch Out for Fireballs did an episode about it and I listened to that and that made me realize oh I missed some serious points in this like they mentioned a lot of like heavy story beats that had gone over my head and at that point I knew that there was the console version was coming out fairly soon So I was determined, I'm going to play this again, I'm going to give it a really good shot. And that did come out, it's almost a year ago to the time that this is going to be released. Um, I was there playing it on the Xbox on day one, uh, and I had a really, really solid go at it over the course of about four days, and just sunk into it really deep, kind of did everything, filled out the entire um, archive project, um, and just that was the point where it really clicked and i knew like oh now that i've got everything about this game like i've i've learned the entire story i understand all of the little nuances this is you know even more laser focused at me than i originally realized from my first playthrough so yeah i was i was desperate to to talk about this this is actually um my pick for the year this game because i didn't trust Mm -hmm. leon to to come out with it because i'm not sure how many people on the team other than me had played it at the time so I had to had to choose it because I desperately wanted to talk about it. And here we are. Terrific.
0: Yeah, my history is uh, I guess pretty similar to yours actually. I think I was interested in it from the beginning because it's this kind of like this kind of puzzle that I'm very like just interested in in general. I like games that are kind of non um non urgent that just allow you to kind of poke around and explore like a a Artistically populated world, and you know, take your time as you kind of get to know the surroundings and um, and the people that populate it. Like i have just, I really love this type of explorational kind of narrative pace, and so I was, I was already kind of in the mood for something like this. Um, I also saw Sean's stream going through all the gumshoe gooper <laughs> Thanks, stuff. Guys. And, uh, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and that just kind of cemented it. i was like, yeah, you know, this sounds like the kind of thing that I uh, that I would get a lot from. I played it fairly early on. Great. Josh, how about you? Yeah. Um, I played and completed
3: this um, just before this recording. Um, So this is my first experience with it. Um, I also watched Sean's stream of this game. (laughs) And um, the the thing with this, because I'm about five years younger than you sean Mm -hmm. and like at the age we're at now that's not a massive difference but at the age where you know this the time period that this is specifically nostalgic for that's a huge Mm -hmm. difference Mm -hmm. so feet like for you i imagine like you interacted more directly with this kind of uh, time in the internet whereas yeah. I was so young it was more of a like I was aware of it and I've seen it but I was much more of a an observer rather than a you know a young teenager directly interacting with it mm-hmm. um so I don't have the same level of nostalgia for this kind of era for the of the internet um, as um, people of a few years older than me I'm much more you know nostalgic for the the early 2000s like John was referring to earlier the the kind of new grounds era of the mm. internet as disgusting and depraved as that era was <laughs> but um, i I do like a good detective game I do like a a good puzzle game and it was very much a case of this is a classic wish list and and forget about it uh style game um i always meant to get you know get to it at some point um but i just i never found the time obviously it's you know at some point it went on game pass and that that made it a lot easier, but I still didn't play it <laughs> um and uh, it it took this recording to to motivate me to uh do a full run through when I say full run through um as we 'll get you know as we 'll discuss that 's barely you know you know barely touching what this game has to offer there's loads and loads of pages to explore um but yeah like literally six o'clock today
0: i saw the end of the story terrific and sean i think we may have uh told your story for you unfortunately (laughs) but if you have details to add i once (laughs) streamed this
2: you might have heard um (laughs) it's very popular yeah um no it it was like it, it was really good fun. It was just one of those games that if you are streaming it, it's no fun to get stuck on. Like you know, if you're playing like an action mm-hmm. game and you're doing a difficult bit, like then it's then people get really sort of engaged with you, sort of repeatedly trying and failing and getting a bit better, and like that that sort of whole process. Whereas just being stuck on a puzzle and you're just staring at web pages, just being like, I don't, I've lost the thread. Like I don't know what to do. So yeah, it ended up being like a, a weirdly stressful experience. And as I say, then found out the was watching. Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, then didn't go back to the game um, until uh, I was asked if I wanted to be on this episode. And I thought, you know, like, cause it's clearly, clearly a good game. It was a really stupid thing that sort of put me off playing it. Um, so I was like, yeah, do you know what? This, this is a, a fine excuse to play something that I do actually want to get around to. So yeah, that that's basically it. So yeah. So I've, I've played and
0: finished it like this week um, for the show. Terrific. Well, getting into some of the game itself, um, I will say that as a, as a, uh, you know, Puzzle games, uh, games that kind of rely upon narrative puzzles, uh, whether it's solving mysteries or stuff like that. It's it, it's difficult to bury necessary clues in video games and, and create kind of a thread that takes you through a mystery. You know that's not an easy task, and I think you know different games kind of go about it in different ways. Sometimes the clues themselves are very difficult to. Detect. If you think of some of the early point and click adventure games, there are some very kind of specific sequences of things that you have to go through to kind of unlock the next item or the next clue, which sometimes is a bit of a pixel hunt, kind of getting what you need as the key to open the door that you need to get through, metaphorically speaking. Um, sometimes there's, you know, sometimes there's a um, a sense in like the way that something is written that, you know, words can have non-obvious meanings that once you have greater context, you can go back to earlier stuff that you had read and kind of see it in a new context. I think, you know, a bit of um, like Gone Home or some of the uh, Frogwares, Sherlock Holmes games kind of use this style of kind of hiding clues in plain sight without, you know, you think of the alternate where games like, uh, like Phoenix Wright, where you collect evidence to try to solve a certain mystery and they only give you half of what you need, and then present the other half in real time during these kind of like action based court cases um where you know that feels a little bit less kind of narratively honest and forthcoming and a little bit more you know just kind of keeping the pace of the ride up along the way and um this This game, I think does a very interesting and a very ambitious thing of of hiding the necessary information by creating such a volume of the possible content that you can go through that it's difficult to just stumble upon something too early you know it's yeah. games like yeah. uh, games like her story you always kind of hear about like you know what is the what is the design that you kind of led players through to keep them from kind of stumbling on things too early in the story that would be revelations um that would kind of yeah. perhaps unlock too much of the the narrative in their mind. I think just the amount of the amount of stuff, the sheer volume of web pages and writing and characters and stuff in here uh, does a good job of not um not creating red herrings in a hostile way where you know becomes kind of frustrating for the reader but it it just creates a believable enough world that you know you can find the threads but it's unless you know what you're looking for you're not going to just like Necessarily stumble upon them,
2: yeah. Because like, yeah, the example of her story is interesting. Because yeah, so for those who haven't played it, her story, you know, is a game where you sort of there's like a what is it like an hour and a half, two hours No, it's not that long. I don't think there's like a basically a a, or series of video interviews, but you can only view them via like short clips based on keyword searches. So you can't just watch the whole thing beginning to end because if you did, it would completely ruin it whereas as you say with this like everything is just there in front of you you could theoretically just sit and read through the whole thing but you that you can then quite easily sort of refine things by searching can't you like you um you know like we're saying those those keywords appear or that you might spot certain names or, or terms whatever that seem relevant and then you can do a search and then that can take you straight to you know something that's relevant so it's 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 still quite elegantly done, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose the, the key difference is, like, you know, with her story, if you could watch the thing from beginning to end, that would require absolutely zero interaction. You would press the play button and you would sit there. Whereas with this, you're must look much less likely... Like You you couldn't just sit there where all, while all the pages scrolled in front of you and it went through every single link for you. Do you know what I mean? It has to be right. an active process of doing that. So, yeah, it's an interesting comparison, yeah. I think it does a great job
3: of emulating the experience of searching for something on the internet, even mm. now where you get distracted by little <laughs> rabbit holes, right? Mm-hmm. So even though you have an objective, right, okay, I need to find, um, you know, Gumshoe Gooper, got to find him, got to find him, like it's wh- what? what's this about – Hot butter ice cream? What's going on here? <laughs> um, like that—that that kind of feeling of being lost in the YouTube hole, lost in the Wikipedia hole. Th- I think it really, yeah, it, it it crafts such an effective illusion of that lived experience of the internet.
2: Yeah, and it's sort of yeah, like you say, it, it recreates that that feeling of. I think it's less so now. I think obviously, you know, SEO is is more of a thing than it's ever been and you know searching for things is not the the art that it perhaps used to be but yeah it it certainly recreates that that older experience of having to sort of sleuth your way through things and yeah it's it's really interesting the way they've recreated it
1: i think that in in a lot of ways it is set up so that a first time player is going to just fall into doing certain things that you don't necessarily have to do or or vice versa like not being able to do things that you could technically do like some examples and we probably should issue a spoiler warning because it's difficult to talk about this (laughs) without probably spoiling how some of the puzzles work and some of them are really uh you know really quite in depth and quite tricky to to get to um but for example so sean you're talking about on your stream that you you got stuck Mm. Um, there's a point, I think it's the third case in this where things suddenly do seem to take like quite a ramp up in difficulty. Like the gumshoe gooper one is very straightforward. The case thing I think tells you go to whatever place it is good time Valley and find pictures of this fish. And you go into there. It's the very first page on the list. You click on it. There's some picture of this fish. Very simple. Second one is slightly more complicated because you have to find essentially an unlisted page. So you have to start doing some searching to find it. But Mm. then the third case initially starts off being quite straightforward. I think you need to find four instances of um, like extra legal commerce. And you can find three of them very easily just by searching around pages. But the fourth one, you have to if you don't know any of the sort of the other more tricky ways around it that you can do on a later playthrough once you've got more information, um, you have to install this program, which turns out to be useless, then go and uninstall it to find a pop-up that takes you to another page that has another one of these commerce things. So it's (laughs) like if you didn't know any of this going in, you would go down this route. But like later on, on a second playthrough, you just immediately know about professor helper and you know about the like the page full of weird links that you can get taken to so you can just search for it immediately and you can you can kind of skirt around the whole downloading the program paying for it paying for it to be uninstalled then there's the next thing that happens is you get a virus on the computer which you almost certainly do because it's just a it's very much designed for you to do it, and then you've got to go and pay to cure the virus. But if you know that these things are going to happen, you can you can avoid them. And I think that the that case where you have to go and find the that fourth bit of extra legal commerce was a real sticking point for me as well. And I assume that that's where you were getting stuck on your stream, and probably yeah, where was, lots of other people. Uh,
2: no, was it that one? Or was it no? I think it might have been the um, the next case with. Yeah, it's the shock images stuff. Oh, tracking down the, yeah. the pages that have got yeah, the yeah, shock tricky. images on them. Yeah, because that yeah.
1: that is also then a puzzle, and that's that's you being led around by the by the hacker guy who's making a yeah. game out of it. So there's there's these points where it's like once you know the solutions to this, it's straightforward, and you can, you can do things in this roundabout way that I enjoyed. Like much later on in the game, it's okay. <laughs> How am I going to describe this? So the the game also then takes place over three separate timelines. And in each timeline, you're kind of gated into what areas of the websites you can go to. Like there's a large portion of this game that takes part in something called the Freelands, which is almost like a program that these these people have set up inside the website. You don't know anything about this in the the first section of the timeline. It only becomes available to you really um, in the second one and then disappears later on. And there's there's elements like that where... One of the, the really kind of the big puzzles in this is set up around a group of hackers and um, some people who are sort of trying... They, they initially are like spreading false rumors and like uh, libel about the company and just messing with them. But then later on, they kind of get... There's one guy in particular who gets more caught up with the reality of it. And you mm. don't know about this guy who's called Reckoning until a random page of his pops up on the the third section... So at that point in the game, when you're quite a long way through it, you've suddenly suddenly now got access to this information and these tools which open things up. But the pages exist earlier on. So when you play it again, if you just search for Reckoning it early, you can suddenly get some of these tools early which allow you into extra areas of the game. And I think that that's, that's kind of the crux of... You can't brute force your way through, like generally through the puzzles without that prior knowledge like there's there's elements where you can click around as much as you want but unless you're literally like going through a dictionary searching for random words and you know you will eventually find something it's very unlikely that you'll ever get this this kind of out of sequence stuff so you you kind of wait until the point where the game shows you its hand a little bit and that's i think that's where it's different for me than than some of the other games that you've mentioned like the sherlock holmes games and the her story thing is it just—you can't just keep bashing your head against it until it works. You actually do need to to kind of put the pieces together to get there. And it's also why I found looking at a walkthrough and looking at some bits I didn't know ended up being unsatisfying because you kind of get the answers, but you don't get the the reason why that's the answer. And the, yeah. the doing it is the by far the the pleasurable part of the experience.
2: I think it's yeah. And it's interesting. Like I think a lot of this sort of speaks to the sort of robustness <laughs> of it. In that, although, as you say, you shouldn't just look at a walkthrough that just gives you, like, you know, the, the solution, like, because because you're ruining it, ruining it for yourself. But then also, it's interesting that that works because the game's just like, well, why 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 wouldn't it? Like the you know the 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 websites, the the you know the way Hypno-S works, etc just behaves as it would as if it was real like the game's not gonna you know if you google yeah. a, a password that you need and you type it in and you press enter the game's not gonna go well hang on a minute you haven't followed the script you haven't actually solved the puzzle so so in a way it's sort of really cool that that stuff just works and equally as you say you sort of there are pages you discover later on you know you might initially you might even think well hang on a minute this this page was in you know existed in some of the previous uh, you know time periods that I was playing in And therefore, you know, obviously when you get to the final section where you can jump back and forth like that, that becomes interesting. But then, as you say, if you were to start another playthrough, knowing those pages exist and knowing how to search for them, it's it's a cheat, but it's just very Mm. interesting that it works. And they thought of that and they thought that people were going to try that stuff.
0: So we should say that you're out there, you know, moderating this content. You're looking for five types of different kind of infringing contents we've talked about. Content infringement, which is anything that's kind of copyrighted material, uh, harassment, uh, bullying, which um, is quite quite fun to flag when that comes up. Um, <laughs> the the instances of harassment on Hypnospace feel real, but they also feel like less brutal than the real internet tends to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, they tend to be like they tend to be pretty charming and funny in a you know in a manner of speaking.
3: I wish, I wish the internet, I wish the modern internet had like the the, the modern day troll was just as bad as Zane. Like, <laughs> if if all yeah. trolls were like Zane, it would be a much more pleasant place. But yeah. unfortunately,
2: yeah. And and I guess obviously that's that's a, a tactic they've they've gone with on purpose, right? Because yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, they want to they want to have this element of like, yes, you know, them people. Bullying and harassing people, but they didn't want it to be so severe that anyone who's used the internet just is just like, oh, well, sod this. Oh, this is horrible. I don't <laughs> like. This is just reminding me of way too many real life experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's something they've they've done on purpose, and I think it works.
0: Yeah. There's um, illegal content, which that definition tends to kind of stretch a little bit more than the others throughout your adventure. There's malicious software, which is anything that's like a virus, and then extra legal commerce. We we talked about. There's this kind of like PayPal alternative you know kind of all in but name way to kind of spend real money in hypnospace that we have to kind of track down and uh eliminate um in various places throughout the adventure and it's always kind of fun seeing that pop up again because you know you can get some uh, some quick cash out of uh striking down those links
2: in terms of the like the earlier cases particularly how long did it take any of you to like realize hang on a minute i'm not really a a good guy in any sense here this is this is some of this is quite weird (laughs) i
1: think think it was the point where
2: i was targeting like primary school children's (laughs) art with (laughs) copyright infringement see i held off on the yeah the the drawings that the kids had done but but like certainly initially i was just like like it really appeals to like i you know Broadly speaking, I have mixed feelings about law enforcement, but there is a part of me that fantasizes about like if I see someone littering, right? I want to be like, get handcuffs out, you go to prison. Like, yeah. <laughs> or if I see someone like speed, you know, five miles above the speed limit, I'm like, oh my god, that person! Like, I wish I had a little speed camera and I could just like zap them and, and get you know, like that that sort of thing. I don't know, it seems really fun to me. So yeah, so it's initially when I was playing this, I was like, ah, copyright infringement! Bang, bang, bang! Slamming the hammer down and everything. This is great. I love this yeah and then later on just being oh my god who cares like (laughs) this is why am i you know upsetting people because they've used copyrighted images of a cartoon character like this is not important the the
3: thing that the thing that got me that's connected to what you're saying is Mm. you get an email because this is during the professor helper um part of Mm. one case you get an email saying Oh yeah, get get rid of the extra legal comma stuff. But Professor Helper is fine. Like, oh yeah, yeah he's, all he's right. He, yeah, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> Professor Helper is one of the most like evil things <laughs> that is in this game. <laughs> But like hypnos- the, the the corporation are like yeah yeah as long as as long as the evil things are following the rules, we will <laughs> allow the evil things to exist. Mm-hmm. But these kids over here who are drawing drawing um, gumshoe Gooper, they're bad. Get rid of them. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: yeah. Talk about the different the ways that the Hypno-S and the hypno space explorer are organized. Um, a lot of this takes place within. What are I guess the internet is arranged into zones and of different areas meant for different users. Uh, these, these are kind of like web rings, I guess. Well, I there's kind of a Geo better Cities parallel for used web to rings. Do this. Yeah, but you'll get like um I, the first one that you really spend a lot of time in is Teentopia, which is a space where, you know, a lot of the teenage characters hang out and there's a lot of, you know, the squishers content is on there, which is like <laughs> a Pokemon. Uh, parody um in this world, this kind of alternate world of uh kind of gooey squishy creatures which are um which are fun to kind of collect and find throughout the website as well and uh, have a terrific theme song um <laughs> but a lot of what you see in teentopia is kind of uh there's a lot of you know very juvenile humor created by these like young middle schoolers, which is great you know it's this um pizza dance website I found very funny uh because it just it's so true to like the early internet hamster dance and the dancing mm-hmm. baby and stuff like that. It just felt very kind of of that, of that era. My favorite detail about the whole kind of like Zane, uh, Zane thing, which, you know, he's a kind of an edgy teenager who's super into a new battle band called seepage, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is this great kind of, you know, Lincoln park cradle of filth type of <laughs> uh, vibe to it.
1: He just, just, point out now Mm -hmm. a lot of the humor in this is incredibly well recognized like really very prescient to how things actually were at the time like the the attitudes and stuff are i think very much spot on in my personal experience
0: but my favorite thing about zane is that you know he talks about this girlfriend that he has and if you search for the girlfriend's name then you can find you know quote unquote her website where she just talks about how cool zane is essentially and that's like the only thing that she had posted and then zane also says in his own website that he enjoys making websites and so there's i'd say a very small chance that that was created by anyone but him being (laughs) self-congratulatory oh you can
1: you can look at um uh the pages creators uh, i think it's headspace uh, oh that's headband a really ID. ID. Yeah, yeah i guess yeah, i should have yeah. Yeah, into the, that <laughs> the two girlfriends of the two teens both have the same headband id and one of them suspiciously has a um a location set to canada so presumably that joking about the sort of yeah. <laughs> oh, i've got a canadian girlfriend and the yeah. other one's i think is set it's it says um, or it tries to say Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but Pittsburgh is spelt wrong and Pennsylvania is P E instead of P A. So it's like, yeah, come on guys. We know what's going on here. And then I think later on one of them just flat out admits to it anyway in a in a later timestamp. But that's another one of those things it's like you could have put the pieces here together if you knew what to look for. But you're, you're kind of, mm-hmm. your hand is led later on and then you go back to it and you're like, oh my God, it was so obvious.
0: <laughs> Another favorite page in uh, Teen Topia is the Counselor Ronnie page, which I just find <laughs> okay. so funny. It's just it's yeah. kind of like, you could tell it's a, a character that is created by much older people trying to uh, trying to seem kind of cool and hip with the younger crowd and trying to get, you know, the teenagers to, to you know get off drugs and stuff like that but it's uh, the the theme song the aesthetic of the website just the the tone and the way that it's written is so try hard in um the funniest way i i really appreciate that
1: it is but to kind of maybe give out a spoiler that's possibly a little bit too heavy for this podcast like you find out later on that Councillor Ronnie is being uh, played by one of the hacking guys so they're just taking the piss and making a mm. whole load mm. of this stuff up completely and his entire character is is just a uh, like a joke
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a good joke though
1: oh yeah again very well thought out very uh,
2: very realistic to the the premise that it's trying to play on a lot of the pages particularly the teen topia stuff but not exclusively that like really sort of yeah it's just a really good representation of how people started getting on the internet and it was Mm -hmm. suddenly it was just this new form of self-expression like people were suddenly you know people who were sort of wearing a mask 99% of the time in their daily lives were suddenly like oh here's a space where I can just be weird and just say what I want and put pictures and music on that I like and I can you know I can do whatever whatever I like and no one's really going to judge me yeah I don't know I think it just does a really good job like the the fact that like so many characters like the way they write is is you know they have their own voice and that's it that's you know impressive enough but then the fact that obviously it's not just the writing it's the way they create their own page and like yeah there, there is this sort of shared aesthetic of like awful tiled backgrounds you know terrible midi music and and animated gifs and flaming text and stuff like there are certain shared elements but it's each one of these pages is like someone expressing themselves and sort of trying to sort of i don't know like put a put a stamp on the world and be like look here's here's my little space that i've created for myself and i can do whatever i want with i don't know it's just interesting like it it just reminded me of when that felt like a really fresh and new thing
0: you know and of course another area that we've already mentioned but i thought would be worth kind of bringing up again is the What's it Good Times Valley, uh, which is the place where all the like baby boomers hang out? And all of their websites <laughs> are formatted poorly, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of, there's kind of that like middle school identity thing comes back in a way of like, there's the motorcycle guy who's, you know, kind of having a bit of a midlife crisis, who's, who kind of puts his like, he has a very interesting website because his avatar for himself is this like skeleton riding a, a motorcycle. And then he has this like, tribute to his dead wife, who's depicted as an angel. And like both of these are his symbols of death, but they're both treated in very different ways. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of interesting kind of themes that come up a- along this kind of baby bro- baby boomer circle. There's, you know, a lot of kind of conspiratorial thinking, a lot of mistrust, a lot of like, you know, pass this on or something mm. bad will happen to you type of chain letter uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. There's also a lot of, and this is actually one of the kind of broader points i wanted to circle back to at some point and might as well kind of get to it here there's a lot of uh christianity within the baby boomer, boomer circle mm. as well and some of the younger uh pages as well but it's mostly found here and i was uh i just kind of wanted to get some opinions on um because i think it's notable that both J. Th- uh tholen and uh Zalavir nelson junior are both christians themselves and Christianity kind of comes up not as like a prominent theme it's not like a guiding theme throughout the story but it's there often enough to where you know it it it, it does feel noticeable and you know obviously Christianity on the internet early internet and even kind of current pockets of the internet like Facebook and stuff are, are is still like it it creates an interesting friction because there's so much of the and a freedom of the internet that I think can kind of uh, it could of rub in interesting ways with Christianity. And so I was I, I was curious how you all read the the presence of Christianity within this game. It, it didn't ever feel it didn't ever feel preachy. First of all, like it wasn't you know Jay giving a theological you know it's not trying to convert anyone. If anything, it's done mostly kind of tongue-in-cheek but yeah. there's a lot of, kind yeah. of sincerity to it as well there's kind of a a hope in unknown times and, and stuff like that and so it didn't ever feel disrespectful but it also didn't feel like it was meant to be something that was like meant to actually influence the theological beliefs of the the players so curious how that landed with all of you
3: yeah because c- it, it, it's simultaneously like very um earnest about that that side of things but also there is a degree of like you know criticism of that community Mm -hmm. in the game as well like there's that one group of um you know very very uh conspiratorial christians that are like petitioning to rejoin the happy uh, the uh, happy valley not happy valley what's it called sorry good time something good time good time good times valley they're petitioning to be um uh, put back in the good times valley because they've been put in the uh the uh, conspiratorial section um <laughs> of hypnospace <laughs> and they talk a lot about how um squishies are actually um uh, squishers, sorry are, are sent by the devil uh to corrupt corrupt the young um so well, like i, I do think like- with another very similar franchise yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, wonder what that's there. referencing. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I think it, it's coming. It's coming from like lived experience, right? It's mm. honestly portraying, you know, their experience of being Christian and being religious, while also kind of exposing the unfortunate aspects of that community that undoubtedly they've, you know, rubbed up against um, due, due to their faith. Um, I, I have to say, like, this must have been, you know, being being Christian, this must have been a particularly rough period to grow up in, especially like late 90s, um, early 2000s, because I associate that era with like, a real peak point for, like, toxic atheism mm. in culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold my hands up and say as a teenager I was definitely <laughs> complicit in that. Um, obviously, I grew up, and I'm still an atheist, but I, I'm very much like whatever makes you happy, the world is tough. Like, fi- mm. find find peace where you can. But, yeah, I as a 14, 15-year-old, I was much more militant about it. And I want I do wonder with some of this content, are they kind of expressing like a more idealized version of what they would like, you know, their experience of, you know, their religion in the Internet to be? Because it must have been pretty awful at the actual time of uh, this. This stuff was going on. That's a a difficult question (laughs) to answer
1: that you've just raised. So I'm going to kind of skirt around it and just say that I think the the portrayal of a lot of the different religions that are in here, and there's, there is a lot of Christianity, but there is also a lot of just sort of spiritualism that's mentioned yeah. on a lot of different people's pages, and there are things that seem a little bit more akin to sort of Buddhism, and then some other slightly bizarre things, there's the... Uh, the woman who's offering exorcisms and things which i don't know where that exactly you read into that but i think it's mostly played for kind of referential uh, that's referential not reverential um material like jokes but also they never really feel like they're very mean-spirited jokes and as you've pointed right. out like i think if this was real geo cities in 1999 zane would be harassing all of these people on their on the comment sections on their pages because i probably did that when i was zane in 1999 <laughs> probably like i can't remember exactly but i would imagine that there would have been a lot more fighting rather than people just kind of stating their peace and you know being <laughs> being left to their own devices and there's, there's quite a lot of it that is also does come across here as being very benign. Like there's there's a little page called Hypnospace Heaven, I think it is, um, which mm-hmm. is three or four of the different users kind of posting uh, tributes or prayers to uh, family members that they've lost. And that just sort of, like, I would have laughed at this 20 years ago. I would have thought, oh, that's kind of silly and ridiculous. But now I look at it, I'm like, oh man, that's kind of sad and a little bit sweet that people are taking the time and effort to do this. Like it feels... It feels earnest in the way that it's portrayed and yeah, kind of sure. earnest in a, in a positive way. It, like none of it is being played up for look at how stupid these people are.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, coming from, uh, you know, two Christian writers, I think there's, there, there's a lot of good kind of self-reflection on the community and its propensity towards falling into conspiracies, falling into, you know, being overreactive with the squishers situation and, you know, all the real tenuous links that it draws towards like, you know, demonic influences and being very susceptible to the, like the smolder, bolder prank that somebody pulls on uh, on one of the users. But yeah, I, I think it is, it is good natured, but at the same time, I think it kind of makes some valid criticisms, which, you know, coming from within the group, I think is valid to express in a way that like, I don't know if, if it would have been done as kind of comfortably if it was somebody outside of the group making those um, criticisms inward. But uh, anyways, kind of an interesting interesting branch of the story there. All right, kind of one last point that I wanted to hit on here, and we can potentially go through any more kind of big story beats. I think we should probably get to the ending after this at least, but if there are any other Mm. kind of Side stories and stuff that we wanted to hit throughout. We can do kind of after this, but uh just kind of as a general theme, i uh, wanted to talk about um the game's exploration of virality, of I guess what we would today call kind of meme culture in a way, but you can see kind of the spreading of ideas and the corruption of ideas. Um the uh there's a smolder boulder creepypasta. Somebody as a prank kind of created a CG image of a of a demon so to speak and uh, sent that around to a couple of users and you can kind of see that story kind of grow over time there's this kind of legendary musician called the chowder man who you can see you know stories of kind of evolve over time um, i wanted to point to there's a really interesting game um, called where the water tastes like wine that came out a couple mm. years ago probably around the same time as this one actually and it's uh it's a game that kind of takes place in a i say pre-industrial or recently industrialized America, where you are just kind of a a wanderer, uh, passing through various places in um, in America. You can kind of wander uh, on foot, basically, and hopping on boxcars and stuff like that, just to get around the country. And as you do, you have these interesting kind of encounters with with nature, with other people in cities. Sometimes you're just kind of in the right place at the right time, and then you kind of earn supplies and points and stuff like that by telling these stories of things that you encountered to other people that you meet along the road and you know you'll get more points or more money or more resources or whatever for telling people the kinds of stories that they're interested in hearing and then as you continue to travel and as you continue to talk to more people in various parts of the country these stories start coming back to you but are radically changed and are uh, usually made a lot more like supernatural and um, and they actually do kind of form what are real world united states uh, urban legends and so you can see you, you kind of trace through the mundane roots of what happened to you and then see over time how these are kind of passed around in bars and passed around uh you know as people tell each other on the streets and then eventually the story is conflated in this game of telephone into something kind of bigger and better. And it's just like a, you know, it's a relatively simple game, but it did such an interesting job of kind of exploring that idea of telephone virality. And this game does similar things. There's a little bit less kind of player, uh, player directed um, than that one is, but um, you can start to see over over the multiple time periods that you're moderating within different stories kind of come and go. And especially this kind of apocalyptic, almost uh, uh, what starts off as a prank with this, uh, what is it? The mind freeze or something like that. Uh, Uh, Mind crash, is it? Mind crash. That's it. Yeah. Of um, this kind of Y2K scare analog um, that will happen to the, users of hypnospace and even once you kind of get into its origins and kind of digging around to see how that kind of grew and propagated like it's just a kind of an interesting exploration so were there any kind of specific instances of these kind of viral contents that you found that had um really kind of interesting etymologies that you could kind of trace throughout the adventure
2: i mean a very basic one is is the the gooper stuff right because Mm -hmm. because it's uh, like over time as you're banning more stuff like it's it's appearing on other pages and like you know so you see um i forget who it is who is who posts the the ones originally so Mm -hmm. you know you you ban all those and then it's like yeah the time moves forward and then it's like then she's starting this campaign to like you know this sort of anti-censorship thing and she's like look i've made a badge you can put on your page which of course hilariously then becomes an easy thing for you to search for and find all the other people who are like <laughs> posting these images and yeah so that you you see that sort of propagate and expand over time um which is Cooper cool. becomes so.
0: this kind of anti-authoritarian like yeah. symbol in a way yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah
1: and there's a lot of threads through this that kind of do the same thing that kind of um evolve over the course of the game and i mentioned the like the cool punk paradise slowly mm-hmm. turning away from cool punk with uh I think this, in the first uh, first air, um, time zone, it's mentioned that there's going to be a music festival and a couple of disasters happen at the music festival that kind of push people away from core cool punk. And you've mentioned the Childerman here in the notes, which is kind of ties into a lot of different things because he's uh, a musician who's been, uh, I think, basically hired by Hypnospace to provide a lot of music for the service and to provide exclusive content for the service. And his kind of art goes from like it starts way earlier with him being kind of a. I I don't know how to describe his like musical styles. There are points where he kind of comes across as being a bit like, you know, sort of a rubbish kid rock or something like that. Especially, (laughs) I think when you go onto his website and it starts playing, this incredibly loud like music video pops up on the screen and Mm. it's sort of this
2: really bad like rap rock that starts playing i was going to say I'm, I'm intrigued as to who the good kid rock is but yeah carry on oh, well this, this guy this
1: guy is clearly again like a lot of other things written to be purposely rubbish as a joke yeah. but it, it it does seem like a kind of an even worse version of kid rock in place but it's <laughs> it's amusing how his kind of art goes from what seems like kind of just hopping across whatever's cool and popular at the time and then sort of drastically losing his fandom and then the final final thing you get out of him is this kind of this really good like ballad song that he's written about the fact that he's um he's like washed up and he's kind of leaving the industry and it's it's bizarre to have a situation go from just being such a kind of a rubbish thing to make fun of to this final song being something that I really enjoyed listening to just as a this is like a, a nice bit of music, like a, an earnest but kind of very silly at the same time, like a stupid ballad piece of music. And that, that kind of arc is one that I really enjoy. The kids in the Teen Topia do the same thing like Zane and Corey start off harassing each other, then they start harassing this other girl, then the final area, she's she's like hacked into their pages and is is getting zane back like you go to his page at the end and all of his personal information that he was writing before has turned into things like um kind of ah i want to say it's slander like you know his his like about me thing now says instead of just like i'm zane i'm so cool i love seepage now says like you know i'm only doing this so that my parents can shag in the other room and I don't hear them because I'm on hypnospace and like my mum works at the gas station for tips so this this girl's like hacked into his page and just changed it into um I don't know this ridiculous parody of himself um but they they all kind of do the same sort of thing and the freelance all disappears there's a, a an ongoing arc throughout the entire game about one of hypnospace's big competitors I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called um, but there 's a, a load of people who are unhappy with hypnospace throughout the course of this mm. claim that they Threatening are to leave yeah, yeah. they 're leaving or have left and the the freelance people are particularly unhappy about it because a lot of the the people from the five groups that all got merged into one decided to leave instead so there's there 's only now like one page about video game reviews where previously they 'd had like a massive game section because everyone 's gone off to this other thing, so like the that kind of virality of it is it's kind of the core of your exploration of seeing how everything progresses like every time the game jumps a month into the future, it's like, oh, I need to go back and see what's what's been going on <laughs> this in this community now
2: I wonder if there's like hearing you talk about the you know the child of man arc and and like um who's the uh, the rapper who at the very end you're tasked with like finding one of his original. Oh, very bad uh, attempts <laughs> doing a rap. And and it's yeah. And it's sort of mentioned like, oh, yeah, he's like super famous now. He's really good. Yeah. Now he's like a, a world class. I think they call it flip flop artist or something. Yes, it's like, oh, we need right. to try yeah, and yeah. find this very, yeah. very
1: early song that he created.
2: And then like and then yeah. And then obviously the, you know, as we've said, like all the stuff on like the teenagers pages and stuff. Um, And how, you know, and especially like Tim Hageddon, who um, somehow we haven't actually talked about that much just yet, but you know, the way he sort of grows up in the the sort of the 20 year span. I I don't know, I feel like there's a recurring theme of like, don't be a jerk about people trying stuff for the first time or just people being amateurs and just having a go and because you don't know where they'll end up. And it's and not, not that that's a requirement, you know, it's not like <laughs> like if someone tries something new and they're bad at it, it like, it's not necessarily like, oh, well, they could end up famous one day. It's just, that's just the nature of trying new things and creating stuff and having a go. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's a, a recurring thing of people like bettering themselves over time and like you see them, uh, you know, they're, like they're sort of embarrassing first efforts at things. And you and you do like smirk at it all, and it, then it's kind of funny and bad, and but it's just yeah, like we've all been there, you know. <laughs> like what's interesting is like
3: obviously like that that fa- fail until you actually succeed yeah. thing has always been true, but like the, what the internet has given culture is like a permanent record of everyone's failures, yeah, and it's interesting mm-hmm. like. I was I almost felt conflicted about kind of finding that rapper's earlier work because mm-hmm. like what I'm imagining is after the fact that gets posted on like the equivalent of YouTube mm. and it becomes like Twitter's trending thing for the day of like laughing <laughs> at this creator's early attempts and you're like dude he was like eighteen like well what are, yeah. what are you expecting mm-hmm. and that that inability to. Um, erase early early failures in in this modern world is yeah I think that's interesting. Um, one one thing I wanted to touch on was um to, you know talking about like things that trend throughout throughout this experience. Um, the kind of the tendency of the conspiracy theories of certain groups to actually have like a tenor of truth at the beginning of what they're thinking, Mm. but just getting the completely wrong end of the stick. (laughs) And what I'm thinking of here is the beef brain stuff. Yeah. -hmm. So there's this, there's this big, conspiracy theory about how <laughs> hypnospace the headsets literally cook your brain and they're turning your brain into like you know cooked beef um now it turns out that there are health risks um with the headset so they were they were onto to something but it was they've they it, in the way that the internet always does they maximize you know turn it up to 11 maximize it to the point where the nuanced discussion, the important discussion that could have happened, is lost because you've just taken it to this cartoonish, um, cartoonish level, um, and you know, like, obviously, it gets exposed and and you know, justice is served and what have you. And the actual reality is much more kind of mundane. It's it's essentially like what the headsets are doing is sleep deprivation, right? It's yeah. it's stopping you from properly resting um when you when you go to sleep but which, like, which is obvious that,
2: like of course it yeah. is like <laughs> yeah yeah of
3: course it is um but like i, I think about you know th- obviously there's loads of this stuff on the internet right now um and uh, about like so specifically like um i remember a point in time where people were really panicked about like uh screen time and stuff like that mm-hmm but like there there was just some really ridiculous like health issues that were being associated to screen time. And, and it stopped like, like those important conversations about like, just, you know, minimize your exposure to blue light, that kind of thing. Um, it it's, I think it's well observed about like the the internet's the internet's tendency to uh, destroy our capacity to have a constructive discussion about something because a certain group of people just need to go into fantasy land or take it to an extreme that's that's unreasonable
2: yeah and, and it's that frustration isn't it like where you're like, look, you are all correct in having this inkling that something is wrong. but it's not not the thing you're saying is like you've gone gone too far like there's there's clear evidence to show you know um what's actually going on here and you've chosen to make something up instead and that is really frustrating
1: and then of course at the same time you've got the the whole kind of conspiracy theory like um people shilling off it and you've got the the beef brain pro shield thing that um i assume (laughs) somebody is selling (laughs) somewhere i'm not sure (laughs) if it's specifically mentioned but you find a lot of pages especially more as the the timeline goes on with these big stickers about beef brain shield and things on the sides of the page like it to an absolutely comical extent like <laughs> it gets to the point where like most of the people in the in the good time valley like the baby boomer analog community have got these beef brain shield things going on. like someone's making money out of this like someone has mm-hmm. um really exploited this situation and then, you know, you find out later on if you are if you ever get there that, again, it was just something that the the hacker guys cooked up just for a laugh, just to, <laughs> basically just to troll the community. And the same with the, <laughs> the drugs thing, the, the T-nubs um, drug epidemic that they're trying to convince people is, um, you know, spreading. And it's very similar it's, and very, um, very humorous at the same time. These pictures of, like, some kid's, like, gormless-looking face and it's like... Uh, You know, one day and it's like took T-nubs. It's like four weeks later and his face just looks like someone's like (laughs) taking the spray uh, spray can tool on that Microsoft paint and just like (laughs) put a little bit of uh, red spray paint across his face. He's like, look at him now. He was putting these things up his butt and look what happened. And it's just, again, it's just all just a joke that somebody cooked up to to troll everybody.
2: I do wonder if the game is trying to express uh, frustration at hackers as well in the sense that you know come the end of the game that they are some of your best allies and they're this absolute necessity in in terms Mm -hmm. of exposing things but also yeah like throughout the game they are troublemakers and they're a nuisance and they just do stuff they think is funny so it's and it's yeah i don't know i wonder if it's just speaking to that frustration of like look you've got this skill set there are incredibly valuable things you could do with it and you're choosing to just be an arse instead you know
0: (laughs) I mean, that's the internet's relationship with hackers in real life as well. You know, you exactly, hear about yeah. there are sometimes when groups like anonymous are able to do something that exposes a company that is so large that like nobody else could have possibly yeah, yeah. gotten in there and, and given such like a thorough exp- um, expose of what they were doing, you know, based on stuff that they were able to steal from their internal servers and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, there's this, there are moments where they come off like Robin hood, but at the same time, like there are actions that are like purely chaotic criminal and terrorist at times that just like, this is, it's not worth the benefit for the, uh, for the detriment that, you know, groups of hackers do to society as well. But, you know, there's Mm -hmm. this real kind of push pull, um,
2: on,
0: on the dangers of the headset. Let's, let's talk about that ending of the game, which I think, uh, we were talking a little bit about before the recording, um, presents a pretty harsh narrative turn of tone anyways mm. and so let's uh let's kind of reflect on how this strikes us so for context throughout the game there is this mind crash event that is being kind of foreshadowed people are afraid that something you know during the the year two thousand new year celebration is going to cause some sort of you know brains to stop functioning or, or whatever it is you know this there's these different ideas around like what's going to happen in this kind of apocalyptic mind crash event you know that the users of hypnospace might be uh subject to and and actually one of your tasks is to kind of dig into that and find out you know what's going on with with the mind crash and where does this all come from and you find out that it's just kind of a prank that was set up by one of the hackers tim agedon who you know is one of the people that plays a lot of these kind of hackery types of pranks throughout In an effort to impress uh, a young lady that he fancies. But it is just kind of like all words at that point. But then when the year 2000 does roll around, something very similar actually does happen. And uh, a bunch of users um, actually do die. And you discover later, um, part of kind of the, I want to call it the post game, but kind of after the twist, the narrative thrust goes in. Goes more towards like you know you're tasked with creating an archive of of Hypnospace, but uh, really you know on the side you're there to investigate what really happened. And you find out that it is the fault of uh, of Merchantsoft, this, is this group that kind of put Hypnospace together. They were testing out some software that was glitchy and wasn't in a place where it was ready to be deployed. They kind of auto loaded it onto everyone's headset. Uh, in the same way that like apple auto-loaded that u2 album for everybody <laughs> and uh you know thinking back to games that have given users uh epileptic seizures and stuff like that like there were unforeseen health consequences that came from this uh this glitchy badly tested not ready for deployment software and um obviously the company wants to kind of bury that and uh you know using the the warnings and the stuff that Tim had done beforehand, kind of prophesying this uh this exact moment, they were able to have him kind of take the fall because it's very convenient that somebody who said there was going to be a mass tragedy on an event or on a date uh, that ends up coming true, you know obviously they were the most suspicious one in the room, and uh you know the company ended up kind of getting off scot free until you can choose to choose to expose them a little bit later. But um I for me, when I encountered this moment, it I, I think the general kind of like lighthearted feel of the rest of the narrative didn't really have me in a place where I was probably like emotionally ready to process like the deaths of characters that I had mm. come to like really care for over the past few hours. Yeah. Um I'm not saying it's necessarily the wrong narrative decision because it is the way that the story was going. And I think that this, the general theme of like corporations aren't your friends and they're always trying to escape accountability while not doing their due diligence is a good lesson to take into this kind of interconnected cyberspace future that we live in now. And you can see this kind of thing happening all the time. So it is really like it's a prescient uh, metaphor, but I just, uh, I don't know. It just kind of, it hit me in a way that I wasn't really ready for. What about the rest of you?
2: I, 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 yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I just, I didn't, I just didn't think it made much sense. Like the fact that, so as you say, Tim Timageddon goes down for this, you know, this, this crime and it seemingly accepts the, the guilt of it. But it's like, wait, so guy who clearly knows a lot about computers creates a hoax. And then when the thing ha- like actually happens, what? He just kind of goes like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that must have been me then. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't buy it.
1: Well, I would assume that the narrative is that there was no better explanation. He probably claimed his innocence, but nobody believed him because you kind of set yourself up for it.
2: I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, it, it felt to me like he'd like essentially admitted guilt. But maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just something I've I've read into it. The I will I will say the there was a, a real gut punch that I thought was. I mean, it's not even that it was delivered well because it was just like, it was barely delivered at all. But basically, you find out that yeah, Dark Twilight Tiff, who was you know the the girl that Tim was trying to impress with this whole prank, she was one of the ones who died and that's horrible like that that i found that like really like that was more upsetting than just finding out that like six people had died like that that really hit me just Mm -hmm. again just thinking about how like tim must have felt and and the sort of like the 20 year time skip as well i think because everything like everything plays out in real time apart from these occasional sort of you know one or two week gaps and then i mean it is very cool that it like you know the the system clock changes to like today's date i thought that was a nice touch Mm -hmm. um but i was i was also a bit like yeah but this is just i'm just sat in front of my computer that 10 seconds have, have passed this doesn't feel like i don't know I, I don't i don't know what the answer is like i, I don't like i think it was just it was too big a time skip for me to feel any sort of like oh wow like remember when all that crazy stuff happened 20 years ago i was like no because it was literally 5 seconds ago i'm, I'm i haven't moved from my desk <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't know if that's fair or not
0: I think the fact that you're not interacting with people in real time though kind of gives it a yeah. little bit of a detached like almost like you're looking through old posts in a forum and you yeah. know there's people that i would have encountered in the you know my old days on the internet that i probably haven't thought of in 20 years that like i'd be really upset if i learned that something horrible happened to them as well and i kind of get that uh you know that sense from this
1: the bit that it really gets me with here is that it it kind of plays into the the whole story of this, which I can't remember if I actually mentioned it on recording or said beforehand. But um, the the kind of the underlying theme of this game is that this is a company that is it, basically like built by two awful bosses who are awful in completely different ways. Like the one guy, Adrian, is the the kind of the business guy who doesn't really understand any of the tech. He seems like he's pretty out of touch with it all to the point where. Um, he puts the password for one of his secret pages like into the little header where you're supposed to type like your, your message for um, you know, like the, how are you doing today thing? And it seems to be just business minded and not really interested in it. And then the other guy is the, the kind of the fun cool boss uh, Dylan, who's like the programmer and the, the guy who does all of the um, like building hypnospace, but he's also like at the same time, he's out there colluding with the hackers and stuff like letting them do their thing. And, kind of wanting to come across as being kind of chilled out and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, go and, you know, create a fake hoax about a beef brain, you know, create a load of fake pages from, you know, people pretending to be like kids counselors and stuff. It's fine, you know, it's all funny. Like, you guys are okay. Um, You know, he wants to be seen as being like the the kind of the cool understanding guy. But again, that's like, (laughs) I mean, we've all had bosses, presumably who are probably like both of these different guys and know how frustrating it is to, have a, someone who's totally out of touch with with what you need and then someone who's trying far too hard to be your friend without actually doing any boss stuff and it, it, the the fact that it all kind of ends up falling down into negligence and then completely running away from the truth of what happened here and letting letting a a guy who is innocent of certainly innocent of the crimes that he was charged with uh go to jail for six years and probably having a pretty pretty good chance of um, destroying his entire life based on, like, I don't even know, like, negligence, like, uncaring, probably desperate to not let everybody else rush off to this other competing hypnospace thing that everybody has already been doing. Like, just the, the poor decisions and the, the throwing the, the Tim guy under the bus hit me more than, like, the number of people who who end up dead out of it, and that that stuff is all really tragic as well when it comes to it and the game kind of it plays on it I think a little bit more than I would like like the there's a section much earlier on where Dylan, the programmer Bosca, has created this this little game called outlaw. It's the catalyst for your first section of the game ending when this thing crashes your headset. And presumably destroys your headset and you can't get back on for another few weeks and then that game again is part of what's released when the 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 entire thing goes down later on and i I think that's that's true and like plays into it and then at the very very end of the the game like the 20 years later you've done the detective work to you know find the evidence that the the company is actually at fault and Dylan ends up sending, like, one last message out. He's like, yeah, you, you kind of got me. Like, I'm really sorry about everything, but at the same time, I didn't do squat about it for 20 years, and I'm only mm-hmm. now being sorry when you've caught me absolutely red-handed. And he sends yeah, out yeah. another little version of this Outlaw game, which is, it's quite saccharine with the way that you're... I can't, I can't even remember what the the exact terminology that's being used here, but it's this weird little game where you're you're in a car chasing after other cars and you kind of, I think it's, it's referred to as like a lure or a lasso or something. You get these other vehicles, which are representing the members of hypnospace who've died. And you kind of, you lasso them in with this thing. And I think it's, I can't remember what the, the, the word is that it says they've ascended or something like that. They've, yeah. 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 When, yeah. when you like get their little cars and the last one is, is his car. And it just feels a little bit like, eee. on one hand, this is kind of a like a touching little scene with the, like the the little eulogy music is playing for them. But at the same time, it's like, why are we playing this weird little game that feels like it's your way of trying to absolve yourself of your sins? Like it just doesn't sit very well.
3: Well, I mean, the thing that was going through my head is if this actually happened in real life, uh, Dylan. That is just so inappropriate. Six people have died. Uh, Come on. But the other thing was, um, like, I I don't know if anyone else had this go through their head. I actually held off from downloading that game for quite a long time because I was convinced that Dylan had just, you know, sent me some kind of software that was going to wipe all the evidence from my headset. I was convinced, because just the way they framed the earlier conversations in that chapter of the game with Dylan and the way he was behaving, I just assumed that the game was going to do something a little bit more tricksy with that character. I thought he was going to be more directly antagonistic. And for him to just go... Yeah, you got caught me at the end. Felt like a little bit of a cop out of an ending, yeah, if I'm being he, totally honest.
2: I, yeah, like I don't know if it's intentionally like a, a red herring or whatever, but yeah, he very much shows up. Like it's really creepy when he when he arrives as part of this, this archival team, like, oh, conveniently just as you've arrived and you're definitely digging into all the bad stuff he did. And then suddenly he he's arrived and he's like, Hey guys, really keen to help. And then he's like emailing you, being like, haha, I see you're looking into are oh, you still like, you know, reporting things? And, and it's, yeah, it's this sort of faux sort of friendliness that's yeah. really unnerving because you know you're trying to, um, you know, get this, this dirt on him. And it's, yeah, so for them to, for him to just turn around and be like, ah oh, yeah, you got me, sorry, was a bit weird. I mean,
1: I, I, I quite like the direction that it takes. I, I kind of like the idea that it, it completely paints him as a coward at the very end of it. Yeah. Which seems appropriate for everything else that's kind of been set up previous, but it just, after I think six or seven hours of this really goofy, like comedy game, comedy nostalgia game, having this, this ending that swings round to being firstly quite, um, you know, quite upsetting. And then trying to play it off as being bittersweet at the same time, they, it's a it's a weird whiplash change of pace, mm. and I don't dislike it, but
2: it was not what I was expecting out of the game at all. There were times where I <laughs> like I did start thinking like, would I rather this didn't necessarily have like a main story arc, like, and it was just exploring it, and it was just all these little sub stories going on. Don't think I would, but there were there were certainly times where it was like, yeah, I don't know, I, I've, like especially in that final chapter. Although I think it's, it's very interesting and it's a really cool idea. Like, okay, you're now just like going through the archives trying to find stuff. Yeah, the part of me was like, I feel like they had this really cool idea for a game and then realized there had to be an ending, and maybe like, perhaps struggled a little bit with it. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean
3: I'm okay with comedies, kind of changing gears a little bit to mm-hmm. to make a more serious poignant you know point you know towards towards the kind of latter half of whatever you know whether it be a movie TV show whatever um i'm i'm fine with that i think that the problem is that the consequences of what happens are so severe that it it kind of shifts it into a different genre entirely like if it was just a case of tim you know like all the the all the you know hypnospace space shuts down all the headsets break and tim gets the brunt of it and that was the consequence of what happened and that was the um you know the corporation's um um, you know the consequence of the corporation's negligence and self-preservation. That felt that would feel more in keeping with the tone that was expressed previously. It's just six six dead bodies is a hard is a hard hill to to climb over to get get back to get back to whimsical um, <laughs> you know uh,
2: nostalgia fun times again and and i think like and it you know something we should give the game credit for but then it also makes as i said that that twist a bit like even more jarring is that yeah you know despite the the whimsy and the humor like this this game does touch on lots of really yeah. interesting nuanced subjects that you know we we've talked about over the last 2 hours so it's not even yeah which i sort of makes it even less justifiable for them to be like and now here's a serious bit because it's talked about serious things like in its own interesting way for the entire game up to that point and i, I don't yeah and as you say i think as you say i think it's just suddenly six deaths is a bit too real and a bit too
0: sharp i don't know uh any other kind of lingering thoughts about the game's soundtrack the music either from the kind of ambient uh computer desktop or from the in-universe bands that uh that play
2: i do i mean as a audio nerd i did enjoy the whole distinction between the i mean they've got their own terms for them but you know the sort of midi stuff versus like wave file stuff because this mm. is this is definitely pre mp3s um, and there's like yeah there's like a whole article sort of making the distinction it's like oh you know because like this one type of file is like it's just like a bunch of like individual samples and then like a set of instructions for the computer on how to play it whereas the other one's like a true waveform but because of data compression it won't sound like your cds or cassette tapes and I was just like, yes, because I remember like that being a thing. And it was, you know, mostly being used to really rubbish MIDI soundtracks. But then, good Lord, if you ever had like, you know, wave sound effects or music, it was like mind blowing, even though it sounded pretty bad. Yeah, it's just a, a nostalgia hit, I guess. I just thought it was a nice thing for them to include.
1: Yeah. And it's that, that same nostalgia thing that got me of like, you don't you don't get like Twitter now. You don't open up Twitter and somebody's music just immediately starts blaring. Like people don't <laughs> want that anymore. But it was no. very much a thing with like GeoCities and then even later on with um, MySpace where you'd go to somebody's page and it would just autoplay uh, mm. what very often would be a completely inappropriate piece of
2: music. And um, <laughs> there's, there's a hell of a lot of that going on in here. Like the amount of... <laughs> And it's interesting because again it, it ties back to the whole like ah look at me this is me i'm expressing myself here's the things i like thing but also there weren't many other avenues to just hear stuff like it was like the, there are definitely mm-hmm. like a few things i discovered through just hearing them on people's myspace pages oh, yeah. or whatever because no, I mean, that hadn't been sort of formalized had it
1: i feel like i was slightly later for myspace i had a i had a myspace page for about six months in probably 2006 and mm-hmm. all i really used it for was like tracking down smaller, smaller like, unsigned bands that were yeah. just uploading tons of music for free in this this mm-hmm. um I'm presumably across all genres but i'm mostly into like rock and metal and i mm-hmm. know that there are a number of bands who are very very big now who got their starters by just uploading stuff directly onto myspace um mm-hmm. And it's it's really abrasive sometimes now when you're clicking through these pages and suddenly like a really loud piece of rock music will just start playing or a really <laughs> yeah. like really ill-advised like Christmas remix of a cool punk song or something. It's like, oh god. <laughs> I mean at least there's at least there's a little stop button because it, some of these loops and stuff that play are just painful to listen to. And I think it's there's a, a huge amount of music has clearly been created for this game. And I think that the vast majority of it is at least, if not necessarily good music, is at least well written for the 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 joke and the context that it's being yeah, made totally. in. Like yeah. I I really dislike some of those like Man rap rock songs, <laughs> but they are they are being created purposely to be bad and be annoying. And nowadays, yeah. like twenty years later, Nobody wants to click on a website and immediately have like a really big, loud video pop up in your face and start playing <laughs> a rock song at you. But it happened constantly fifteen, twenty years ago. So the the kind of the prescience of of that aspect of of the um the early early internet is very well picked up on here. Um Do you and think it's some- like
2: it's just again it's just another interesting thing that like back in the day it was. Like that stuff was like inherently impressive and it was people just figuring out what a website could do, which, you know, was like, oh, look, it's got animations and pictures and also music plays. Isn't that cool?
0: We've never seen this before. Well, I so think like, part I of f- what this game does is it kind of is reactive to the homogenization of the internet and the fact that like yeah. everyone's personal website is their Facebook and they all look identical or everyone's personal mm. website is, you know, created through Squarespace with recognizable templates and everything functions in the same way as organized in the same way oftentimes has, you know, if you're embedded within Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you only have so much control over the amount of customization. Like Mm. it makes things feel uh, clean and collectible, but you know, there is, I think there is a kind of, there's a kind of mourning for the loss of the individuality of the early internet and the customizability, the fact that you can really see somebody's soul through their websites.
2: But also like like, but even so, like even on Facebook, that went through a phase, didn't it? Where it would so first they went okay, now videos videos like if you're scrolling down your feed, videos are going to autoplay now, and they initially autoplayed with sound, and everyone hated it. Um, so, which, you know, it was really interesting because then they went, okay, so now they to play with the sound off. But then people, like that, unfortunately, that was what it took for people to start adding subtitles by default because it meant people would scroll and you would see the subtitles appear and go, oh, hang on, this is quite interesting. And then turn the sound on. But I feel like, like, so by sort of the Facebook days, like, people hated that auto playing of audio because I feel like once the novelty wore off of, like, oh, look, it can do, you know, sounds and and pictures and and videos but i think we all sort of had to learn to sort of like because we were all getting so bombarded with the internet in general that i think we all sort of started learning to curate like yeah. how bombarded mm. we were by it and i like so and we're now at a point where yeah if a video auto plays or a song auto plays it's like oh my god how dare you get out of my ears this is like it's like genuinely offensive because browsing
0: the internet now is more of a collated experience where you're seeing everyone's content all kind of compiled into one space rather than going into somebody's individual zone yeah and so you know it's not the same as like you know somebody's myspace or like a ytmnd page where it's like that is the reason you visited it is to like have that's it, isn't it? It's,
2: yeah, like you're you're very rarely like stepping into someone else's right. domain these days. It's just you're just being like bombarded by other people in like a like say a sort of a general space, whether it's Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. And that's the difference, isn't it? You you rarely are you are you like seeking these things out; they're just sort of thrown at you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and the those autoplayed songs and videos and stuff now have been kind of relegated to things like adverts that pop up on the side of a news page when you're trying to read it and yeah. scrolls down with you. And that is specifically a negative thing that you don't want, that you want to get rid of immediately. So that mm-hmm. again, like twenty years down the line, that idea of something popping up, it, like I'm I'm now conditioned to thinking, oh quick, get rid of it as soon as possible yeah. because <laughs> I know that this is going to be garbage. Yeah. And it's designed <laughs> to be garbage and annoy me and try and grab my attention away.
2: And and again, like it speaks to the the sheer sort of um i don't know like the, the the work that went into this game is that like there'll be people who played through this game and every time a song came on they'll have gone oh my god shut up and turned it off and that's still the joke isn't it like that's <laughs> yeah. still like it, like partially intended like they will they will know that people will have done that and that and yeah it's it's, it's on purpose
1: but at the same time like two years plus since i've first played this game i'll still go on youtube occasionally after i've had a couple of beers and listen to a couple of chowder man songs and think yeah (laughs) this is great i ready to shave is probably an awful (laughs) song but i really enjoy listening to it oh and the one guy in the freelance who's got a page where he's trying to break down like the meaning behind this song about some idiot standing in front of a mirror shaving and trying to draw really deep like logic into it also, like Chef's Kiss, like perfect, <laughs> just trying to find meaning in this obvious rubbish. But, and the other thing is, that song is like six or seven minutes. It's like a bloody rock opera ballad <laughs> song, but it plays in the freelance, which you scroll through and are clicking things like every 20 seconds. So you just hear the opening of it over yeah. and over <laughs> and over. It is, it's incredibly annoying, but it is, I'm
2: certain that it is purposely designed to be getting that emotion out of you mm-hmm. yeah and and again and like uh, so obviously the developers have got a song to write knowing as you say that, that it'll be listened to in this context where you're hearing essentially the first 20 seconds over and over again but you can't then like they, they then didn't go like oh well then it doesn't really matter what the rest of the song sounds like it's like no chowder wrote the song that he wrote the fact that you're <laughs> hearing it in like the you know, worst way possible man. is not like yeah, they couldn't allow that to affect the way they wrote the song for the game, Do you know what I mean? It's smart. I like it.
1: Yeah, and there's there's so many examples of it. Ooh, the Chonder <laughs> Man stuff like Rangers from being genuinely good to being like jokingly awful. But then you've got like the Freezer songs are all pretty good, the Seepage songs are pretty good. Like I, I would listen to some of this stuff just just because I enjoy listening to it. <laughs> and whether that like, speaks positively or negatively about me like I think that it's it certainly serves its purpose in the game very well and gets across the point that it's trying to get across very, I think very there's, well. There's
2: some stuff is getting slightly away from the soundtrack, but there there is some stuff in this that I think has come full circle. Like the um the little animations that play you know when I mean, you go to like the um Hypnospace Enforcer like homepage, I forget what it's called now, but and there's those videos of like sort of really low res, like three D bits. And um, with like all the characters floating around and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like this little environment and it's very sort of like PlayStation 1 looking. And like even like from, you know, between 2019 and, and now, like that look has already come back in quite a big way. Like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of sort of PS1 style games or something like uh, like a short hike or something like that. Um so already I'm looking at those animations and thinking like I, I remember playing this 2 years ago and thinking ha this is retro and bad and in 2021 I'm going oh no this is this is cool again now this <laughs> like this has returned so yeah
0: uh let's get to uh, some of our community correspondence we have a few people who have written in on the Kanerents forum at slash forum we have Seth who says after giving it a try when it landed on Game Pass I couldn't get into it I managed to advance a few hours but it really left me cold. Maybe I approached it wrong, but it almost felt like a pixel hunt. I'm not sure if it was a pacing issue or a lack of in-world motivation, but it didn't feel I didn't feel compelled to finish it off or see where it was going uh, what was going on below the surface. So yeah, it just, it's is a game that um doesn't have a lot of those kind of traditional narrative pushes forward. So, you know, you have to really be interested in the world that it's making uh, kind of on your own there.
2: The pixel hunting stuff, I didn't think was too bad. There was one instance, I think it's when you, yeah, when you're going around the freelance, you know, there's that like one bit yeah. of the screen you have to click on to go through to a secret. And obviously there are clues leading to it, but even having those, I uh, struggled.
0: T-Bird says, browsing the closed hypnospace network is at least so far the real highlight, but the actual gameplay is fairly unique as well. Being an enforcer, a moderator cop of sorts, I get paid to do my job regardless of what I think about my tasks. Some of the violations I flag seem practically innocent to me, and nice people are getting in, luckily not very much, trouble because of it. I can close cases as soon as I have enough violations flagged, or I can stick around and uh, try to find additional ones for bonus payout. And this is where a great moral push and pull dynamic will occasionally come into play. I could finish a case with the base minimum of infractions flagged because I don't agree with what my job asked me to do but at the same time I have a personal incentive to find more offenses after all I need a better antivirus protection and more songs <laughs> which you can purchase with those hypno coins
2: and the pets we haven't talked we haven't talked about the
0: pets <laughs> that's true
2: <laughs> it's so much. there's so many there's a lot in this rabbit game.
0: holes to it's go a down game. into deadpool negative says Said world is populated by many kinds of people talking about many kinds of things. People who need to be heard, who need to express to the world their interests, their desires, their cares. People without a voice, their entire lives finally finding one. But as I remember from my own terrible experiences with the internet in my youth, all of the people communicating at once, trying to connect with each other, and it backfiring terribly. Maybe part of the reason I've been so reluctant to really dive into Hypnospace Outlaw and finish it is that it uh, reminds me of wounds that never quite fully healed, of how I burned a little too bright and embarrassed myself with my email or messages or message board chicanery. Even though the denizens of hypnospace are entirely fictional, I recognize many of them in others and in myself. But the wounds, in the end, were self-inflicted, something I suspect J. Tholen and Zalavir Nelson know all too well. And we have a series of three-word reviews Called from our uh, Twitter community on the day of recording, we tweet out a call for three-word reviews uh, from at So if you're interested in uh, participating in the shows, this is a good, uh, low-barrier uh, low way to do it. So I'll start off with uh, our very own Brian Edwards, who says, Chowder Man Forever.
2: Christopher Love says, Hot Butter Ice Cream. As Scott Lamont says, Very Annoying Music. Heterophobe says commercialization destroys authenticity.
0: Joseph Raphael says mods asleep harassment.
2: Uh,
3: Termotanker50L si- says cool punk ain't dead. Uh, the real Dave Jackson
1: says seepage rules forever. Yes, they do.
0: <laughs> 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 Terrific. This just leaves us to summarize our thoughts and experiences with the game and uh, whether or not we would generally recommend it for people who are potentially interested following this episode. So I'll... Be brief with my summary here. Um, I I really love these types of detective exploration games. You know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of um, the Return of the Oberdin. Uh, I thought it was a pretty revelatory experience. I I really love her story and the fact that this one kind of intermixes that that exploration and discovery led uh, curiosity led um, exploration and and detective uh, process intermixed it with such great humor with such great nostalgia with some really terrific artwork uh you know this i i I, i'm somebody who personally really loves garish artwork uh really loves challenging like aesthetically challenging artwork not in a high-minded way but just in like i like bad art like that's part of i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i can romanticize it any more than that but like a lot of the (laughs) Gifts and a lot of the color schemes and a lot of the font choice and stuff. And this really spoke to me and really spoke to that part of, of myself as well. So um, I really connected with a lot of what this game was doing. And um, I think there's really nothing else like it. It, it. It's one of those games kind of like uh, Return of the Obra did. And then I'm excited to forget every three or four years and revisit and kind of discover again anew you know, once you've kind of forgotten the solutions to everything's um, everything. But uh, yeah, I I recommend it. Obviously, you know, 6.6 user score on Metacritic. It's not for everybody, but that's the kind of game that I kind of increasingly have time for these days. Games that take a big swing for the fences that don't connect with everybody, but the ones that they do, it feels more personal and it feels more kind of individual in that way. Yeah, I uh I really like this one. How about you Josh?
3: I really like and respect this game, but I stop just short of of loving it. Just because aesthetically it's it, you know, it absolutely captures what it's trying to capture, but it's not my cup of tea. You were saying Ryan in your summary that you're really drawn to kind of garish art styles. I guess I'm a bit more I care about composition and I care about framing and stuff like that so it 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 doesn't it doesn't draw me in the way um it does for you and ultimately like this style of humor while I find it really funny and enjoyable in the moment, doesn't stick with me in the long term, Um, while also kind of fully appreciating that there are some kind of serious, more serious messages in there. I think ultimately, though, like the the, the big barrier for me is a lot of the experience of playing hypnospace Outlaw reminds me too much of what my job has been <laughs> in the last year and a half, um, which is kind of using weird search terms and and exploring people's websites and stuff like that to try and find their contact information so I can contact them and send them an email. Um, so it it felt like I was doing my job in a in a weird hyper real version of reality. And because of that, I don't. I don't think I'm going to play this game again. Really respect it. I think it it, it achieves a lot of what it you know put uh, you know sets out to achieve. And there are things in it that I'll remember. I think hot butter ice cream is hilarious. But yeah, I don't. I I didn't
2: end up loving this experience.
0: All right, Sean. How about you? Um.
2: I mean, I definitely echo what Josh was saying about this occasionally feeling like work. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's you know yeah there are times where, as you say it's the sort of doing the legwork of some of the puzzles is it it's more effort than it is like it's it's not interesting enough to justify the effort in some cases I think and it's like it's not a fun game to get stuck on like if you if you lose the thread of a of a puzzle i mean you know there's no harm in just entertaining yourself by just like having a wander around hypnospace right well if you are stuck and then actually come back to worrying about the the puzzle later but yeah like there there were times so you know and i mentioned early on like i i did use a walkthrough for a, a couple of bits luckily i mean yeah if, if you do play this and you are struggling and you do consider using a walkthrough have a look because there are Um, Like I was saying there are are some that are just like here's the password you need or like here's how to just get to the next bit whereas the one I use was very much like okay so here's what you're looking for but here are all the steps to get there so at least you get you know some like some sense of like the process you should have gone through which I think is more valuable than just sort of you know blasting your way through it. But yeah, no, I I, I love the way that it it went from, you know, you start playing it and it's like, ah, it's like all old and bad to then sort of like, oh, hang on, this is actually like a really deeply sort of committed parody stroke homage to, you know, the late 90s uh, internet. But then, by the end of it, you know it it touches on things and is, like is is nuanced enough to prompt like all the discussions we've had, um, you know, for the last two and a half hours. I think it's it is a game about the internet, um, set in an old version of it. But in in doing so, it's it's the contrast to you know our experience of using the internet now um, that I, I think is is really well done and really interesting it's yeah i i wouldn't necessarily like I, similar to josh I, I don't think i love it it's there is and there are certainly times where it wasn't especially enjoyable to play like i i would not blame anyone for for tapping out of this but i am really glad i've played through it um i, think, I do think it's a, a very rare and unusual thing
0: All right, and John, you were the one that uh, suggested this for this um, particular volume of Cano What is Rinse. What is your takeaway from Hypnospace Outlaw?
1: Um, I should just mention this up front. Uh, We probably should have mentioned this way earlier. Um, So I had this weird inkling in the back of my head while I was playing this earlier today that at one point in the past, I found a hint system built into the game, and I was looking for it and could not find anything earlier. I had in my mind like this little... Almost like when we did um, Trinity a few months ago, Jesse was talking about this invisiclues thing where you could look yeah, at yeah. some sort of hint system that got progressively more in-depth. And I've just Googled it because it's been bugging me. And um, yeah, there is apparently a hint system in Hypnospace, but because it's Hypnospace... It's a web page within the game. So you actually have to search <laughs> for it to try and find it. So oh uh, as a, a tweet from Jay Tholen here, a pro tip, there is a hint system in hypnospace, search hint. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might be very helpful if you're still, <laughs> still stuck on this after this podcast. We probably should have mentioned this right at the beginning. But, uh, yeah, so th- there is um, possibly a better way than trying to Google walkthroughs and being overly spoilt. Uh, if Mm. you if you need it Um, as for my thoughts on the game well yeah i i I put it forwards for the podcast i think i mentioned earlier the reason i put it forwards was because i really 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 like this game and i just didn't know how many other people were as enthusiastic about it as i am um there's there's a very rare element here for me that this this game connects very much with um my slightly bizarre sense of humor and also just the the idea that this is a A part in my own history back in the late 90s where I did get very much into the internet and computers and it did feel like being at the forefront of something that most people weren't involved in yet and as such like all of those horrible looking Geocities pages and like early Newgrounds cartoons and things are really deeply embedded into into the back of my head as being this thing that was very special and very enjoyable to me as a young teenager um at the time so playing something that is essentially like childhood memories simulator for me is just an absolute joy and it's it's a it's a very very um unusual type of game to have as far as I'm concerned like I know that you go on somewhere like itch.io and there's just all manner of um uh, wild and wacky and out there concepts but this is certainly something especially on a level like this on a like a budget like this um and it being released on like mainstream consoles as well rather than being like a an odd browser game or or something um you know something that you'd play sort of almost um you know off the grid like it it's bizarre and um a beautiful thing to me that this is <laughs> like as mainstream as it is and yeah it, it sounds like i'm being maybe overly effusive about it but it just it really hit me at a point where um it, i was i just completely spellbound by the the way that <laughs> there could be a game that felt so laser targeted at my specific interests um and that uh i had this wonderful experience playing it where i kind of i played it and got some things out of it then i learned more about it and played it again and had a really um like it kind of significantly better experience with it so um i think that in lieu of there being further hypnospace sequels or expansions or very similar games like this is the sort of thing that i will very likely play every couple of years as my kind of my memories die down a little bit about it um and i i really hope that um all of the people behind this make more similar content, or that there's future expansions or modded content and extra things that community members make that we can enjoy because this is probably going to remain something that's very much in my my interest levels, and I'm I'm just glad that we could do a podcast about it and hopefully introduce some other people to it because it does feel a little bit like it went under the radar, and it was in 2019 when it came out. It was a very very busy year for games, and there were a lot of um, like, really solid indie games that came out around the same time, like um, the other things that I would say kind of vied for my attention at this time of this were, like, Outer Wilds and Disco Elysium, and both very, very interesting games, but wildly surpassed the, um, the kind of the amount of attention that that a small game like Hypnospace got, so hopefully now that the, the kind of the dust has settled a little bit, um, there'll be some people who didn't know so much about it who can now enjoy it as much as i did
0: excellent love that all right that is it for us today with hypnospace outlaw thank you very much for listening in and thank you for uh, thank you to the rest of the panel today that is joss john and our uh, frequent returning guest sean sean since you are a guest on the show would you like to point anyone towards any uh embarrassing websites that you would like to you know in the theme of the show of course
2: well i mean i, I once did a stream um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <fair> <laughs> uh, every week uh, I'm one of the hosts of the computer game show you can find us at tcgs.co in your web browser or obviously just search for the computer game show in you know, wherever you get your podcasts um, it's on paper it's pretty much your typical four people talking about the news and what they've played each week and then answering questions but I like to think we we do that quite well <laughs> I'm gonna break K Fabe and
3: because <laughs> we we're, we're meant to, you know, have this rivalry yeah. thing going on. <laughs> but like I, I genuinely think um the computer game show is one of the best video game podcasts out there. And if you, oh, you are a listener to Cain and Rince and you're not listening to it,
0: you sh- you should. Cheers. Terrific. Well, with that, um you can join us next time. Are we bubbling our baubles or are we bobbling our bubbles? You can find out in issue one. Sorry, 484, in which we talk about the Bubble Bobble series. Counselor Ronnie reporting for duty, for duty, 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 drugs make you pretty lame, duty,
2: To be. No, 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 no. don't do it don't don't do it if your brand tells you to put something in your butt don't do it don't don't do it and by the way if you're not a shocker I'm, nice one man yeah stay safe out there